and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of our favorite chats. First off, Father Thomas Rosica joins us to tell us about how scriptural reflections can help the Word take flesh in our hearts. And singer-songwriter John Devine tells us if God is really in our school lunchbox. We also hear from Salt and Light producer Krista Matrenko about his newest film, Across the Divide, which tells the story of the only Catholic university in the Holy Land. And we meet singer-songwriter Sarah Bauer. Remember that you can listen to any of these interviews at any time by simply going to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. That's also where you can listen to uninterrupted music, Christian music like you've never heard before. Email us at radio at saltandlighttv.org. Follow us on Twitter and visit us on Facebook. I'm Deacon Pedro. We begin now with Father Thomas Rosica and his book of scriptural reflections, Words Made Flesh. Father Tom Rosica is the CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and the executive producer of this program. He's also a noted scripture scholar. Now, for many years now, he has been writing reflections for each Sunday of the liturgical cycle, and they have been so popular in the Zenit News Service for the last three years that readers from all over the world have responded to his positive message of the Roman Catholic faith. And now these reflections are available as a book titled Words Made Flesh. The reflections for liturgical year B are now available. And Father Tom Rosica joins me now to tell us all about his uh, scripture reflections. Father Tom, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Pedro, thanks for inviting me to our radio program. I know, finally. We, we, you're not running around, you're here. So some people, I've heard people say that this is a book for, for people who do homilies to help them prepare, but is that really, or do you see a like wider audience for these books? It's a much wider audience. Actually, let me tell you how the book came about, yep. because it's, it's a bit of a fascinating story. As you know, and as some people may remember, I was present at the Synod of Bishops in 2008, yeah. which was on the theme of the Word of God. I was mm -hmm. the English language media secretary, yeah, media yeah, attache. And we worked every day at the Synod, and one of my colleagues at the time, who was working from the Spanish desk, turned to me one day and said, you know, Father Cantalamesa is finishing his scripture cycle. And Father Raniero Cantalamesa is one the of the greats. Preacher He's one to of the, the big pope. pope. Yeah. The preacher to the pope, the preacher of the papal household, a Capuchin Franciscan, a So he would write scholar. a weekly reflection? And he wrote it for three years on okay. the Zenith service, which was translated in many languages. Mm -hmm. So I turned to the fellow, Jesus, and said to him, yeah, that's nice. He did a great job. He said, we want you to take up and follow him and write the scripture reflections for the next three years. Okay. And so innocently, I said, okay, I'll do that. And I was worried about the synod more than anything else. Uh -huh. When I realized what was before me then, I literally went back home and began writing for Advent of 2008. Uh -huh. And it became a, a personal discipline to do this. I spent many hours in my room at mm -hmm. night. But actually, what I tried to do was not present ready-made homilies, because anybody could do that. Right. I used a method, I was kind of inspired by Cardinal William Laveda's talk at okay. the University of Notre Dame several years ago, where he said, the homily has to be not only on biblical reflection, exegesis, mm -hmm. but also bring together church tradition, the story of the church, great events of the church, the yeah. teaching of the popes, contemporary issues, and the lives of the saints. Yeah. Okay. And so what I tried to do in this, this three-year cycle 
was exactly that. I reflected on the Sunday readings. Sometimes I did the three readings, sometimes the Gospel, sometimes the Old Testament, provided some scriptural perspective, situated it in the context of the lectionary, in the context of liturgical year, referred to certain feasts or solemnities, lives of the saints, right. and then talked about different events that were taking place. For example, in 2008, we had just come off of the wonderful experience of the World Youth the Day World in Sydney Day in and the International Eucharistic yeah. Congress. So I talked about the fruits of those events, looked forward to other events, talked, for example, in one of the cycles about the beatification of Blessed John Henry Cardinal mm -hmm. Newman, talked about John Paul II, talked about the fruits of World Youth Days, and so put something together that shows that our homilies really should be based on many things. Mm -hmm. Strong scriptural foundations, never a personal soapbox or platform, but also an opportunity to teach. Right. Now, as I was writing the weekly reflections for Zenit every week, they would be published on the Zenit service in English and French on Tuesday evenings. So because of the time zones in the world, by the time I woke up early on Wednesday morning, there would have been about 40 to 50 messages, Comments. and that number grew. But it was from all over creation, right. from Tanzania, from the Caroline Islands, from places that I've never heard of, from Africa. Yeah. And I realized that this was impacting catechists, laypeople, priests, bishops, certain cardinals that would write. Everybody. And I said, something. this is obviously striking a chord because it's not locked in scientific historical exegesis or disputes about words, but this is breaking open the word for people. So I finished the cycle a year ago during Advent, the last Sunday of yeah, the, yeah, the liturgical yeah. year, and the bishops of Canada, the publication service, approached me and said, you know, this would be very good to publish in book form. Mm -hmm. So I said, why not? If it's been able to help people, then let's do this. So we went through the editing process and I'm very happy to see that the first volume that came out, which is volume two in the trilogy, volume yeah. two simply because it's year B, year B, and the other two volumes, volume C, volume one and three are on my desk right now, and yeah. I'm just putting in the corrections and mm -hmm. filling in some gaps. So the one for next year, year C, will be out before the end of this year, and then right. year A the next year. The next year. So the idea then, because I love the title, that that this is a book that can help people uh, make the word take flesh in their own heart. That's exactly right. Because it's not just scriptural, but it's pastoral. Exactly. It talks about it's, the saints. It's, it's for Catholics. It's for the Catholic community because, see, we're privileged in the Catholic community that we have the sacraments. The fullness. We have a rich tradition. Yeah. We have the magisterium. Mm -hmm. We have the saints. We have popular piety and devotion. And that's what I try to do is to bring all of that to this particular set, this right. trilogy. Yeah, of books. absolutely. I, I, I've been reading it every Saturday night to help me kind of situate the readings of the next day, the Sunday, but I, I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, now, there is a fourth book. Right. Now, <laughs> I, I, you know, I That's thought like I had enough bonus. to do. I had enough to do with these two because these three are in English and French right. because of the, the church in Canada. But then last November, during mm -hmm. the plenary of the Bishops' Conference, it was suggested to me by some bishops and also by the staff of the Canadian Bishops' Conference, yeah. to put out a book, Reflections on the Artwork mm -hmm. in the New Roman Missal for Canada. Okay. So I remember when it was proposed to me, I said, no, that's a lot of work. And then I said, no, I can draw from the three volumes, from the three-year liturgical cycle, and fill in the gaps, because in the current 
New Roman Missal for Canada. It's been approved for Canada. Right. The Canadian church chose some very beautiful artwork by a French artist, uh, Tissot is uh -huh. his name, and it's all artwork from the Holy Land, of Christ in the Holy Land. Right. And there's lovely, the, the artwork is, is uh, put throughout the Missal mm -hmm. on different pages, different formats. And so I compiled all of that artwork, looked at the scripture quotation referring to it, and then wrote two pages of biblical reflections plus questions for reflection on the artwork. And the whole purpose of this is twofold. Most, most Catholics will not be buying the New Roman Missal. It no. costs a fortune. <laughs> and, it's... and they won't be buying the small version either yeah. because it's a brick. Yes. So this is an important way to take that artwork, which goes beyond the Missal. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful artwork. And to put that in the hands of people, of Bible study groups, of RCIA programs, mm -hmm. of chaplaincies, providing a solid biblical commentary, and then some questions for reflection, both personal and communal reflection, yeah. on the beautiful pieces of artwork. No, and I like that because so, so, so often we get so, um, I guess because of the way of academia, that you feel that you have to reflect on words. Right. But how easy it is to just look at a painting or a piece of art and then... Right. I mean, this doesn't take, at least for someone like me, it doesn't take much reflection. You can just take it in, breathe you it know, in. You know, I saw the so book for the first time on Sunday evening of this past week. I hadn't seen the finished product. It was delivered to my residence because we had a big book launch mm -hmm. on Monday of this week for the book. And I sat down in my residence and just opened the book. And I must say, it's laid out beautifully. The CCCB yeah. Publishing House used the same format of the New Roman Missal, the same quality of paper. The, the layout is really stunning. Yeah. And one can one even appreciates the artwork more beautifully in this book than they do in, the, they missal, do in the Missal. The Missal is for a select few. It's for presiders and those who are in churches, running churches. Right. But this particular book opens up the beautiful story to the multitudes. Yeah. No, that's it's really good. And that one's called Reflections? It's called Where Jesus Walked. Where Jesus Walked. And the reason Ref being that yeah. so much of the artwork, all of the artwork, is really... Uh, done in the Holy Land. It's images of Jesus in the Holy Land, in Bethlehem, and teaching the Our right. Father, and on the Mount right. of the Beatitudes, and healing. The, the cover is really a magnificent image. It is a beautiful. It's the lowering of the paralytic. And you almost yeah. feel the action when you're watching that picture. You can feel the excitement of the crowd, the frustration of the poor owner of that house whose tiles were ripped off the roof. Yeah. And then this, this man with his arms flailing all over the place, the paralytic was being lowered, yeah. and Jesus is there to receive him. So there's a certain dynamic to the book that's quite beautiful. Yeah, no, all four books, great contributions to our uh, uh, Catholic nourishment. Um, so Where Jesus Walked is the book on the reflections on the artwork of the Roman Missal. And then we have Words Made Flesh, Biblical Reflections for Year B, which is out already. And then Year A and Year C will be coming as, sorry, Year C and then Year A that's right. as the books come out. Well, thank that's you very right. much, Father Tom Rosica, um, my boss. It's been great to have you. And you can the order program. these books through our yes. website. Yes, I will mention that for sure. Good. Um, uh, Father Tom Rosica is the CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. He's the author also of Words Made Flesh, uh, Volume 2, which is out right now, Liturgical Reflections for Year B, as well as uh, Where Jesus Walked. The books are published by the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops Publication Service, but you can find them at the Salt and Light store at saltandlighttv.org. And here now is our featured artist of the week, John Devine, with Tattle Tales. Guess what? What, baby Molly? Why does everybody always tattle on me? I don't know. I guess it must make them feel better, Molly. You know, I can remember one day when my grandmother said this to us. You kids better stop running in and out of that front door tattling on each other. 
You know, every time you tattle, your tongue grows a little bit. And the way you've been tattling, your tongues will be down to the floor before the day's over. Now zip your lips, get outside, and don't say another word unless there's something good about somebody. Uh-oh. What are you doing, Molly? I'm just checking my tongue. <laughs> Why don't you have a listen to this song? Maybe it'll help. All right. Tattletail, tattletail, why do you tell on me? Tattletail, tattletail, why do you tell on me? Na 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 na, why do you tell on me? Matthew tells on Timmy, Gina tells on Carol, why do you tell on me? Michelle tells on Shawnee, Laura tells on Keelan, why do you tell on me? Tells on Eileen, Molly tells on Grandma, why do you tell on me? That was John Devine with Tattle Tales. Now, I've said this before. When our children were small, it was so hard to find good Catholic music that was appropriate for them. And we were happy to find Cat Chat. Now, if you haven't heard about them, check them out. But I'm not going to talk about that right now because I met a guy named John Devine. And if the name sounds familiar, it is because his two sons, Matt and Father Tim Devine, are also talented and accomplished Catholic singers songwriters, and Salt and Light Radio guests. Now, John is a teacher and a superb children's entertainer. And his album, Is God Really in My School Lunchbox, contains 14 exciting and original songs for children. And it's really, really, really good. And also a really good teaching tool. So I'm very happy to say that John Devine joins me now on the phone. John, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Hey, Pedro. It's great to be here. It is, because it's been a long time. Yeah. So I... I um, how did the idea how did the idea for this album come come to be well it all happened because of the questions that my own children asked me as uh, they were growing up and also other children in our lives right yeah and uh like they would say hey dad is is god everywhere and i would say oh yes he is and i'll never forget the day we were sitting in a restaurant and they looked in this little box it was a happy meal box <laughs> and they said hey he's not in here Hmm. And I says, oh, well, is he invisible, Dad? And I says, well, where do you think God really is? He's in your heart. 
And wherever you go, that's why he's always with you. Right. God is everywhere. Right. And they caught on to that concept. So I wrote a song about that, and actually the whole album just spun from, from answering those questions. From that. So now you've described the album as a concept album, because um, there's there's a little bit of, I mean, there's a little girl, Molly. Yes. And and sort of the, the I guess, the trials and, and challenges that she goes through through the day. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, this little girl, Molly, uh, I think she exemplifies so many of our the children's innate questions that God gave them in their hearts uh, to ask about eternity, faith, you know, why, wh- where is God, what, what is it all about? And, and the song takes Molly on a day in her life okay. where she asks questions like, hey, what happens to my balloon right. when I let go of it? And, and so I answer it, but try, and I answer from a faith perspective. Uh-huh. Because, Pedro, I think every chance that any one of us gets to evangelize a little kid just by something simple that God puts in our hearts to explain about heaven yeah. and God is important. Yeah, no, and I kind of, I, I mentioned, I kind of alluded to that when I said at the beginning that it's, it's also a really good teaching tool. So the songs are not just fun songs that kids are going to want to sing. <laughs> and I'm sure that, mm-hmm. you know, they're so catchy, but they're also opportunities for teaching like heaven or, uh, I mean, the song that we just heard, Tattletales. Yes. Um, is that was that a common uh, experience that you had with your two boys? Maybe that you know, oh, yes. Tim telling on Matt, or oh, totally, <laughs> and, and and all their peers telling on them when they would visit the house, and I said, right. okay, and I I had had it, and I says, look, you know, Judas told on Jesus, but Jesus never told on anyone, right. And so let's try and not tell on each other. Although, when you're teaching this concept, you have to also define to children that it's important to tell an adult when something strange is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. the tattling uh, concept and also bringing in the faith perspective of, you know, of Jesus being the one who really doesn't tattle on people. He just loves other people. Yeah, good. There's another song, Lordy, Lordy. That and, and I can. It, it's great because I listen to it and I can actually picture the little kid sitting there looking out the window and it's raining outside. Oh yeah. Um, and again, it must have happened with you at home with your kids. You know, they're oh, bored. Yeah. Many it's a raining. rainy weekend when they had just had it with every one of their toys. All their art supplies were dried up. Yeah. And they just prayed that someone would visit them. And lo and behold someone knocks on the door and it's the two kids down the street and i guess their parents sent them up to our house yeah yeah yeah. and there's a miracle in in the eyes of a matt and tim when that happened yeah yeah so again the lesson that you know you can always bring those situations up up to the lord sure and pray to god and god is part of your your rainy day as well um um the, the the song hope in the lord I believe in miracles. You've mentioned miracles with Lordy Lordy, and I actually wasn't expecting you to, to refer to miracles there, but how did you explain that concept of miracles to kids? I mean, kids are maybe more open to accepting miracles than adults are, but it's still a hard concept, when, especially when there are letdowns. You know, What if they pray for something and it doesn't happen? Exactly. Uh, those are the things I think almost every parent or anybody who's working with children when the child actually prays and asks for something from God, asks mm-hmm. for a little miracle in their life, and they don't get it exactly the way they wanted it, yeah, I think it's really important to tell kids that God never says no. Mm-hmm. He says either yes, and all of a sudden it happens, or not yet, 
or wait, I have a better plan. Yeah. And it's that wait, I have a better plan that most kids have trouble dif- uh, dealing with because mm-hmm. they want it right now. But after a while, as they mature, you could tell them, see, isn't it better now that God really did answer our prayer in the long run and in a better way? Yeah. And, oh, does that ever bring that home to children's hearts, that yeah. miracles do happen? Yeah. Now, you collaborated with your sister-in-law, right, Eileen McCabe? I on did. On these songs? So was it, again, the kind of thing that you said, hey, I have this song, this idea, and you shared it with her, and she, uh, how did that collaboration come to oh, be? Eileen, you know, her and I uh, working together in collaboration with this, it was um, like frickin' frack, right back and forth with one tune after another, one uh, right. childlike concept, and um, it was just, I think, a gift from God that the two of us got together to collaborate on this CD. Right. So you co-wrote some songs. She wrote some yes. songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sang on songs with her. She sang on songs with me. And, and we were in the studio all the time together on this music. And did you, uh, and the little scenes that happened with Molly, you also co-wrote those? And I guess she yes. plays one of yes. the characters? Well, actually, actually Molly is my wife, Maureen. Maureen. Oh, yes. wow. And she's the voice of baby Molly, and she was, like, perfect. The producer just loved having her in the studio doing it. And, and Maureen has that childlike uh, quality about her and faith that uh, just shows up in the CD. Yeah. The uh, liner notes in the, in the CD say that the, this album is dedicated to, to, or for the baby Molly in all of us. Mm-hmm. So is that, again, do you think that people, when they grow, they've kind of lost this sense of curiosity or wonder at God, and we need to try to capture that? Well, when I'm working with uh, adolescents in retreat situations at high school levels, uh, I find that there's still that child in them Mm -hmm. is as fresh as can be. And I have learned through the years, Pedro, that the truth is the most exciting thing that uh, young people growing up in their faith, and even uh, older people who are still growing in our faith, will always be growing in our faith. But the truth is the most exciting thing. And and once any way you can get this through to kids and sit down and chat with them about it, um, it's a powerful experience. And you may think that you're not getting through to them, but the seeds are being planted and the fruit happens later. So that gift of faith that it's so important to give to kids. And it's I mean, and it's the parents whose responsibility is to pass that on to their kids. Oh, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, everybody. Right. You know, and if you're worried about how you're going to give away this yeah. gift of faith to the kids, don't worry about it because God gives you the gift at that moment to talk to that child about it in your way. Do you think I, I sometimes struggle with this as a parent myself, that that Everything has to be a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but well, as a teacher, I feel that way sometimes, too. <laughs> so how do you kind of find the balance so that, uh, I mean, uh, maybe everything is a lesson, but I don't have to kind of drive the point? Like the kids. All you have to do is read your kids' eyes, and they'll tell you, Dad, I've had enough. <laughs> I don't need the lesson. I got the message. Oh, they got it. They probably you know, and you learn. They teach you all the time, too, yeah. how to give yeah. them the answer they want. That's yes. true. No, and that's why I think that the gift of music is a great way to do that. I mean, 
you might I mentioned oh. cat chat for example when my kids were little and I would just play the CD or we have it in the car and they'd learn the songs and they'd sing it and the truth is right there in the lyrics uh -huh. and they're, they're repeating it and I find the same with this CD that these songs are so catchy they're great the kids are going to learn the lyrics they're going to be singing them all around the house mm -hmm. and, and somehow mm -hmm. that th th those messages are, are sinking in and maybe you don't even have to explain them what a, what a great thing for someone who puts this music before children. And as they're playing with their toys in the basement, the same old toys they've played with, yeah. all of a sudden you catch them singing yeah. these lyrics. And that's because you worked at it. You presented it before them. Yeah. And, it's, and God doesn't let it be wasted. It goes yeah. into their hearts and minds, and it stays there. And it's so nice to hear them walking around singing, Be a rock and roll with the Lord. Yeah, it's true. You know? It's true. It's so true. Anyway, John, we have to leave it there. But So there's a new website that's being created. Oh, yes. Writ in Water Sound Creations. Yes. Writ in Water Sound Creations .com. We're going to put that on our site so people can find it easily. Okay. Um, so, but again, it's, it, I don't want, people might be rushing there to, to you know, I might find that it's still, not, it's not completely under c construction because it's up, but maybe that this CD is not quite up there it's yet. It's still being worked on and the CD will be on there and uh, down the road in a couple of months, uh, hopefully, uh, you'll be able to download tunes from there. Good. And you're working on another yes. project for children as well. Another one for children and in it will be some prayers that the beautiful Catholic prayers that parents can just play and the kids will learn their prayers that way. Excellent. And it's so nice to not only have the kids singing songs, but oh, also saying nice. the prayers. Good. I'm looking forward to that, actually. When, when, uh, when it's ready, let me know, and we'll get you back on the show so we can listen to some of the Sounds music. Sounds great, Pedro. John, it's been great chatting with you. I miss you, brother. Uh, it's been way too long. We need to see each other. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Take it easy. God okay. bless us. God Hello bless to you, too. All right, I will. That was our featured artist of the week, John Devine. Again, you can learn more, more about his music and uh, find the music for Is God Really in My School Lunchbox at the website writinwatersoundcreations.com. Here now is John Devine with a song that Eileen McCabe wrote, Hope in the Lord. Hope in the
believe in miracles. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I believe in Jesus Christ. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Radio Hour, Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Now, one of my most memorable trips ever was to Bethlehem. One of the places we visited was Bethlehem University. Now, you walk into campus and student life looks and feels very normal. Students in the courtyard laughing and socializing. Some are sitting on a bench or under a tree reading or studying. Very normal. But then you realize that you're in the West Bank. Not far from the university is the eight-meter-high concrete wall that separates the West Bank from the rest of Israel. In order to go to Jerusalem, for example, students may have to pass through the wall. Sometimes they're not allowed to pass. Mostly, they have to wait for hours at an armed checkpoint. And that's the setting for the new Sultan Light documentary, Across the Divide, which tells the story of Bethlehem University, of the De La Salle Christian brothers who run it, and the students who will sacrifice everything for their education. And sitting here with me is the producer of the film, our very own Chris Dimitrenko. Now, I, I'm always very jealous. And we've talked about this on Salt and Light Radio before, because you got to spend a month, almost, in Bethlehem, living pretty much, I mean, you were living on campus with the students. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of want to know about that experience. But before that, maybe just a little background. How is it that there's a Catholic university in the West Bank? Well, it actually goes back to the first ever visit by a pope to the Holy Land, which is Pope Paul VI. It's kind of mind-blowing to think that there weren't papal visits to the Holy Land before that. But it was Pope Paul VI who came there. And uh, the Palestinian Christians who were there were asking for their own Catholic university. And so Bethlehem University became the first university in the West Bank and remains the only Catholic university in the Holy Land. So in the whole of Israel, the only yes, Catholic university. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and they're founded by the who are the Christian brothers? It's the De La Salle Christian brothers who go back to Saint John Baptiste De La Salle, uh-huh. um, who was canonized and who was the the patron saint of of educators. Right. And uh, and they have a long history of running schools throughout the world, and they have been teaching in the Holy Land going back to the 1800s. And they were charged with uh, launching and administering Bethlehem University. And there's still a community of brothers on the campus today who run the university, some as teachers, as others as, as chancellors and uh, of the university. So the university is, what, about 45 years old or so? Yes, yeah, going back to the to mid-1970s. The, to the, oh, mm-hmm. okay, to the 70s. Yeah, okay. that's right. Um, so, so then l- let's go to your experience, because you mm-hmm. arrived in Bethlehem not knowing what to expect. I don't know if it was your first time there. It was mm-hmm, my first time in the Holy Land. And so what was your first experience? You know, what were you feeling as you walked into campus? What, 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 what did you see? What did you feel? 
I think that you you describe it very well, Pedro, um, in the opening, that it does seem very normal. The student life seems very similar to to what you'd see on a Western campus where, you know, you might have students who are spending a little bit too much time socializing between yeah, classes, yeah. Um, you know, you know, guys talking to girls and, and, you know, people on their cell phones. And it seems, it seems very normal. Um, people aren't impoverished there. Uh, people, no. uh, the people care about what they look like, about their appearance. Yeah. Um, it does look a little bit different in that the majority of the campus, I believe it's about 60% are uh, Muslim. Okay, uh, yep. Bethlehem is a majority Muslim population, um, as is you know most of the West Bank. Mm-hmm. Even though Bethlehem is a higher percentage of Christians, and uh, the school uh, reflects that that there's a slightly higher percentage of Christians than the ordinary population. But the Christians and the Muslims um, get along very well mm-hmm. uh, by all accounts at at the university. Uh, and yet, from that very first day. Uh, the university set up a number of meetings for me with students. I wanted to meet some students who could be potential candidates for interviews. Right. And uh, and the stories that they told, uh, you know, really shocked me. Uh, some of the hardships that they went through. And it seems that everybody has a story about how the conflict, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, has affected them in a very personal way. Some of them have family members who are imprisoned. Others have, you know, close family and friends who have been killed in the conflict. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's something that, that permeates their, their lives. Right. Um, as you mentioned, there are a number of students who have to commute from East Jerusalem. East Jerusalem is, is the more Arab part of Jerusalem. And it's um, really, what, like a 15-minute drive? It's so close from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. This is something that I never, I know. I never knew. I mean, really, if you were going to be you know, traveling from the Church of the Nativity um, to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where Jesus was born, to where he was and, you know, crucified and where he was buried, yeah. um, you know, you're looking at what should be probably a 20-minute you know, drive, drive. At, at most, even in traffic. But because of the, uh, the security barrier, it means that it, it can be at times very difficult for those students yeah particularly when they're commuting back. I mean, it's not always difficult. Sometimes it's yeah, easy. Yeah, and some of them do have uh, Israeli, I guess they would have, if they have Israeli citizenship or if they have the proper... Yes, I- those that are residents. that are in Jeru- living in East Jerusalem, can, can they can go easier. back and forth. If, if there are students who are living in Bethlehem, then it's much, to. much more difficult for them. They yeah. would need to get a special permit to be able to go into Jerusalem. So, so how, who are some of these students that you met? Well, one of the students who we met um, is named Berlanti Azam. Mm-hmm. And this was um, a, a case of, I, I suppose from a filmmaker's perspective, it was, it was amazing timing. Um, two days before we went to Bethlehem, uh, Berlanti Azam, uh, or Betty as her friends, friends would call her, had left Bethlehem to go to Ramallah. Ramallah is, is actually north of Jerusalem, so you kind of have to swing around Jerusalem to get to Ramallah from Bethlehem. Bethlehem mm-hmm. is south of Jerusalem, so if you can imagine that. Yeah. So taking this bus ride uh, from Bethlehem to Ramallah for a job interview, she was about two months away from graduating, so she was thinking about her future career. And because the government, the Palestinian government is in Ramallah, a lot of jobs are there. Mm-hmm. So um, on her way there, she ends up getting stopped at a checkpoint. There's dozens of these of these checkpoints operated by the Israeli military, even in the Palestinian areas, mm-hmm. and uh, that I mean this is this is still sort of an occupied, militarized area, and uh, it was at this checkpoint that they they asked for her ID, and her ID said that she was from Gaza, 
that the Palestinian territories are split up. There's the West Bank, and then there's also Gaza, and in between there is there is Israel. Israel, yeah. And uh, and because Gaza is is ruled by uh, by Hamas, um, which is you know very hostile to to the Israelis. Right. Um, people who have a Gaza ID, they're still not allowed to to be in the West Bank, and so she was deported back to Gaza in the middle of the night. And uh, and so over the next few weeks when we were there, the university was fighting to be able to to bring their student back from Gaza right. to Bethlehem so this to is, be able to yeah. finish her degree. So this is one of the stories that you follow in the documentary. Exactly, <laughs> and completely uncertain at this point as it entered the Israeli courts whether she would be allowed yeah. to return to, to Bethlehem to finish her degree. Yeah. And so this is just one of the remarkable scenarios where you've got this girl who is a very ordinary girl, by no means an activist type. No, and a Christian. Uh, yeah, a Christian girl who um, is is the antithesis of what anyone would think of when you're right. thinking of a security threat. And yet... Um, because of where she grew up, where she was because born. Because of where she grew yeah. up. And, and, I mean, viewers have to... Um, have to have to weigh the the situation, and we we speak with the with the deputy spokesperson from the Israeli Ministry mm-hmm. of Foreign Affairs, who explains, you know, the the very real security threats that Israelis have have gone through, which you know, in in his opinion, justify uh, the kind of measures that that they have to take, which uh, which you know he doesn't dispute have negative impacts on the yeah. lives of, of yeah. Palestinians. Yeah, but they but argue that they're necessary because of security. Exactly, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating way to look at the Israeli-Palestinian or Jewish-Arab conflict. Um, so I re- highly encourage people to figure out. We'll tell you uh, very shortly where and how you can watch the mm-hmm. film across the divide. Visit us on our website, SultanLightTV.org. Um, all the information is there. But again, uh, if you want to find out what happened to Berlanti, and if you want to find out mm-hmm. some of the other stories, the film of the other students, um, uh, again, highly recommend it. Chris, uh, it's an excellent film. So, but you're, um, uh, and Sheridan spoke about this already, so the premiere of the film is going to be in Vancouver. That's right. On June on, 3rd. On June 3rd. But mm-hmm. if you're not in Vancouver, there's also going to be a screening in Halifax on June 25th. That's right. Toronto, September 5th. Ottawa, September 19th, and we're also looking to have other places, maybe Windsor and maybe even in the States, a few other major screenings. So all that information can be found on our website, saltandlighttv.org. So thank you very much. Chris Dimitrenko is the producer of the new Salt and Light documentary, Across the Divide. You can learn more about the film. You can watch the trailer. You can find out where you can watch it and uh, by visiting our website, saltandlighttv.org. Here now is our featured artist, Sarah Bauer, with her song, Extraordinary. Blending into the crowd, didn't pay attention. Looking down at the ground, you checked into detention. Brilliant drawings on a page, inside bottled range. You wondered why he was created. this prayer. 
That was Sarah Bauer with her song, Extraordinary. Now, we don't have enough time to mention all of Sarah Bauer's musical accomplishments. Suffice it to say that her musical career began in the fifth grade. After her first CD, Delighting in Dreams, Sarah felt called to ministry with young people to challenge them to dream big and to recognize the great plans that God has for them. Now, after her third album, Radiance, Sarah has launched a new endeavor, a video magazine called Sarah Bauer TV. And to tell us about all of this stuff, I am now joined by Sarah Bauer. Sarah, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you so much. So one of the first things I noticed, um, when you go to your website, uh, sarahbauer.com, the little caption that pops up, it says, real woman, real faith, real rock. Yes. Where, where does that all come from and what, what do you mean, real, real rock, real woman? Um, well, actually, I, um, uh, a few years ago, um, was really looking to kind of just find, really, really, like, find my identity as a, um, you know, as a ministry and as an artist, and, um, so I, uh, God really put someone really amazing into my life, um, and helped me orchestrate, like, a board of directors for my ministry. Right. And, um... We did a lot of brainstorming, and um, I just think really came up with uh, probably what I, I hope I hope it's true about my personality, but it's definitely <laughs> something that's really important to me, which is just to really be authentic, yeah. you know, like just to really to be really real. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's kind of where that tagline stemmed from, um, was just that, you know, um, it's really important to me to just be real and you know, every aspect of my life as, mm-hmm. you know, a woman and in my faith and in my music. So, um, real woman, real faith, real rock. That's kind of where it came from. So, rock, so rock, yeah. rock refers to the music. Does it refer at all to just our faith also, that it's a, like rock, unmovable or, or eternal kind of thing? St. Peter the Rock? Because mm-hmm. that's the first thing it I could, thought. It could. Uh, I think... That part is mostly the real faith and the real rock is that... The real music. Yeah, real music. <laughs> but that's, that's really good. <laughs> there I like you go. people expanding you can, on it. That's you, great. <laughs> you can start using it now. Um, yeah. You, I know that you grew up in a, in a musical home, right? Uh, like it was parents, sort of encouraged? Not really. I was, I was definitely encouraged, but I'm kind of the lone oh, yeah? uh, musician on both sides of the family. Um, and I... You know, I married my um, my a dear friend and songwriting partner. We fell in love. Um, uh-huh. So I'm kind of hoping that my children have even more music around them than I did. Um, but my parents were definitely really great about just, in, I think, just seeing that I had a, a love and a passion for it. And I think just that it came really naturally to me. So, um, right. did yeah, you take, they encouraged did, piano lessons oh, and so voice you took lessons. lessons yeah. And, Good. Yeah. And did you, was it a, a, a Catholic upbringing? Was it, did you grow up going to Mass every Sunday kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew, I grew up, um, I'm a cradle Catholic and yeah. grew up Catholic. And um, uh, I think, you know, definitely had a great foundation from my parents. But then I think kind of, um, you know, made my faith my own in high school. And mm-hmm. um, that's, I think, what really kind of, you know, led me to really want to evangelize more and share it with you know other people so 
At what point did you kind of see the music and the faith sort of coming together in, in, in terms of ministry, I guess? Um, I, let's see. I mean, I did a lot of singing, um, you know, in grade school and junior high and high school. Yeah. Um, I was in, you know, musical theater at my school, and I sang at Mass yeah. every Sunday. Um, and I really think I just felt the most, um, myself when I was, mm-hmm. you know, sharing, um, when I was sharing and when I was, you know, doing music. So yeah. it was in college that I really started to just kind of discern what God wanted me to do with my life and, you know, where he was leading me. And, um, mm-hmm. I just, I just knew that music was supposed to be a part of my life and, um, that, you know, faith was, it was so important to me. It was just, ingrained in, you know, everything I did. I couldn't imagine um, not, right. you know, singing about God, you know. You can right. sing about lots of things, but um, it was definitely just made the most. And what was it? I don't know. felt the most at home. Yeah. And what was it after after you recorded your first album, Delighting in Dreams? What was it that sort of, because it seems from uh, from what I read about you that that sort of there was something that kind of helped you focus your ministry that you wanted to do some work with young adults or young people? Yeah, I, um, let's see, I recorded my first album uh, the summer before my last year of college. Yeah. And um, I was, uh, I was kind of majoring in being, uh, in, in education and being, wanted to be an English teacher, but yeah. it was really kind of like my fallback. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just realized this is just absolutely, and just knew it was what God was calling me to do, and um, I just, I did not have all the answers, I just had, did not know how it was going to work out, but I knew it was something I was supposed to pursue. Um, so I graduated from college, and um, my parents were really, really encouraging um, and gracious to encourage me to live at home and hmm. just kind of figure all of this out. Um, and I had done a lot of work with um, youth ministry, you know, with high school youth, and um, and I, you know, I just really kind of wanted to, you know, marry the two, if you will, together. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I just started. I had that one CD, and I started, um, you know, singing anywhere where I got an invitation, and um, uh, then God just, you know, as He does, just continued to open doors and mm-hmm. kind of plant the right people in my life. Um, my husband being probably one of the most um, uh, instrumental, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And he uh, just really, like, just had a passion for, you know, music and, you know, definitely a passion for being Catholic. And um, we became great friends and um, for two years just, you know, wrote a lot of music together um, for the second and third album. Yeah. And um, I think he, he just definitely was someone that kind of, I got kind of caught up in like, well, how do we, how does this work? And how does, you know, how, what do we do about this? And he's definitely a very um, kind of take charge kind of person. He, you know, he'd be yeah. like, well, we just need to put a band together and, you know, let's nice. find some musicians. And so, yeah, so we put a band together and started traveling quite a bit and, um, yeah, God just kind of kept unfolding it all, you know, nice. over time. So, and the 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 Sarah Bauer TV was that also an extension of the work that you were doing with young people, or sort of where did that come from? Yeah, um, 
I, um, when I was writing my the music for my third album, um, somebody came along and um, really wanted to donate to my ministry this um, this this video package, if you will. Uh-huh. And um, so I wanted to come up with something that was just kind of like, you know, kind of like reality TV, but that had you know a journey and. Um, so we decided that I would write a song kind of about vocations Yeah. after journeying through, you know, the four vocations that, you know, God has given the church. And, um, and, you know, I mean, it was just a, you know, a beautiful time in my life because I was, um, I think I was actually dating my husband at this point, but I had, I mean, I had discerned the religious life pretty, um, thoroughly and um, just really wanted to share that with people. I think just what I what I found was that in my own searching for from, you know, asking God what he wanted me to do with my life, um, I just feel like his message to everyone would just be, I want you to be happy, you know, I want you yes. to find what, what lights you up, you know, what fulfills you, um, things that you're really good at, you know, that I just this message of really telling people that God, everyone has a gift, you know, mm-hmm. and um, something that will just light the world on fire if, you know, if we're doing what we're meant to do. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so I spent a day um, with each, with a priest, with a religious sister, um, with a family, yeah. and with uh, um, a woman living a out person. her single vocation. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it really it was it was very real actually because as the videos went on I really did not have I really wasn't like I had this song written and then did the videos I genuinely it was the last song that I needed for the album I needed one more song um, I wish I was a songwriter that like went into the <laughs> studio with like forty songs but um, I go in with eleven <laughs> wanting to make eleven tracks <laughs> so. Um, yes, yeah, so the very last song that we wrote um, right before the video series concluded was um, Radiance, yeah. and um, it really is just, uh, it's definitely my favorite song that, you know, right. that has come out of our ministry, and um, it's really just encouraging people to, you know, just let their light shine and just be who to God be calls who God's them to, be, to so. be. So you made four videos, once for yeah. each location? So those are the ones that people can find them, they can find them on YouTube, if they do a yes. Sarah Bauer search. Yes, I your, believe so. Okay, uh-huh. good. Um, and, um, yeah. Yeah, nice. So that's all the time we have, Sarah, but uh, thank you for hmm, for sharing what you do with us. The music is great. I hope that you continue well, writing, you. even though you only have 11 songs at a time. That's a lot more than most people. <laughs> um, so I hope, that you're, enough. I hope that you're working. I know that you're working on a... On a on a child that's on, on her way or on his way. So um, congratulations on, on that, you. too. Um, but maybe there's more songs, I'm sure, that there are with your husband. I'm sure. With the little God's, one. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of inspiration. Just building it up right now. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, yep. it's been great meeting you and great chatting with you, and uh, hopefully uh, we can stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was a delight to be on your show today. Thank you. That was Sarah Bauer. You can learn more about her and purchase her music at sarahbauer.com. That's Bauer, B-A-U-E-R.com. We're going to put that link on our site, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, so you can find it easily. Here now is Sarah with that song that she uh, spoke about, 
Radiance. this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour.